Welcome to the Intelligence Briefing, What's the Buzz? Where leaders and hands-on experts in AI and automation share how they have turned hype into outcome. I'm your host, Andreas Welch, and if you would like to stay current on running AI in business, make sure to sign up for my newsletter at intelligence-briefing.com. Today, we'll talk about how you can design human-AI collaboration and processes around that. And who better to talk to about it than someone who's passionate about doing just that, Enrico Santos. Hey, Enrico, thank you so much for joining. Hi, Andreas. Thanks a lot for the invitation. I'm very excited. Yes, it's same here. Hey, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do? I work as head of human computation in the CTO office of uh, Bloomberg. I joined the company about a year ago. And um, in this year, I investigated what human computation actually means. Uh, and uh, the reason being that it's a, a discipline that changes over time with the change of technologies. Um, so uh, that has been uh, what I've been doing. So in my past, I used to be a, a machine learning, natural language processing engineer in a certain sense. I've worked uh, in pharma. I work a lot in academia. I got a PhD in Hong Kong uh, in uh, computational linguistics. And um, before then, uh, uh, that's something very peculiar from my career. I, I used to study in the humanities. So I have a humanities background that, that transitioned to engineering. And uh, that's uh, probably a good way to, to think about humans and AI together, right? That's awesome. Too many um, folks, and too often we think about AI as this technology topic and we completely neglect the human or keep them out of the equation and only put them back into the equation at, at a later point. So sounds like you're um, able to do that from the very beginning with your educational background and the work that you're doing. Super excited to have you on. Yeah, um, like starting in it from a, a uh, humanities background, I have noticed also that um, in the pop culture, there is a lot of uh, speaking about AI as a threat to humanity. And uh, this is happening also in, uh, in, in the media, right? We read every day, uh, oh, AI will substitute people in their jobs and so on. And these topics are very interesting and definitely uh, they make me think because we cannot exclude that, right? Uh, but on the other end, there are needs, there are concrete needs of having AI supporting us. And maybe um, I can tell you something from my previous career where when I was working in pharma, uh, one of the foci that I had was uh, make healthcare sustainable. And uh, we know uh, that the population is aging and with the aging of the population, we will need uh, support from AI from machines. Um, it is expected that in 50 years from now, um, one third of the population will be over 65 years old and so on. So uh, we're going to have like uh, serious issues in, in the aging scenario. So, um, it's crucial that we take advantage of this technology in the right way. Should we play a little game to kick things off? What do you say? Absolutely. Let's try. <laughs> okay, perfect. So this one is called In Your Own Words. When I hit the buzzer, the wheels will start spinning, and when they stop, you'll see a sentence. And I'd like you to complete that sentence with the first thing that comes to mind and why in your own words. To make it a little more interesting, you'll only have 60 seconds for your answer. So are you ready for what's the buzz? Let's try. OK, here we go. If AI were a bird, what would it be? 60 seconds on the clock, go. Wow. that's. A it's incredible. Let's say a parrot for the moment. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and the part, because uh, language models are um, basically repeating things that they've learned from our data. So they are not creating anything completely new. Uh, they are very great at combining things that we have already generated uh, in the past, but not creating something new. I see somebody is suggesting Falcon, but then I want the motivation in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well within time. If you're a fan of R, I'm, I'm sure you're a pirate, so the, the parrot on the shoulder pairs nicely with that, too. Um, maybe we jump right into our, our topic then from here on. Um, look, I think we, we hear so much about the impact of AI on the workforce and about AI replacing jobs. You alluded to that at the beginning a bit already. But I think there's an alternative perspective that humans and AI can actually achieve the best outcomes when they're working together. So I'm curious, what's your perspective on that, especially as you think about human AI collaboration and designing for that? Look, um, uh, going back to what I was saying before about the healthcare domain uh, and the being in Italy, I was looking at the news a few weeks ago and what I found out is that uh, in Italy, but in a few years, there will be 2 million um, employees missing. So there will be empty jobs uh, in the market. And again, um, this is a problem related to the demographic situation of Italy. It's related to the uh, skill sets and so on. So I wonder uh, why we don't use AI exactly to cover these needs. So this is the first uh, answer to your question. And the other one is that AI shouldn't be substituting humans. It should enable humans actually to contribute in the way they actually uh, adapted to them. Humans and AI are totally different. Uh, we, we know uh, humans are very adaptive. They are very great in ambiguous domain. They are empathetic in the sense, um, and uh, and so on. So, um, if we think about uh, their role today, there are so many jobs that are instead not exploiting these uh, skills. They're exploiting the skills that actually AI could be better at. So why don't we enable humans to use their best skills, their intelligence, their um, capacity of get adapted to the environments while we can leave to artificial intelligence all the other tasks. And let me say one more thing. Um, it's not that this is a, a black and white situation, right? There are like some tasks that can be done together where the human, for example, in a hospital, the human doesn't need to carry the weight of another human that cannot move, a paralyzed human, but it can speak to that human. It can make that human feel more comfortable and help. So uh, that's a perspective. And this can be applied to every industry, of course. I really like the, the part where you say it's a matter of adapting, not just the human adapting, but also making sure that the systems adapt. So I'm curious, in our preparation, you've also talked about adaptive processes. What is being key for an adaptive process? What are they to begin with? And how do they work? Yeah, in a um, book that was written by Doherty and Wilson uh, very recently about human plus AI, they found that we are going towards uh, the next uh, uh, revolution, the next uh, digital transformation, uh, um, business transformation. So after they started, they call it the third one, after uh, Ford uh, and after the uh, personal computers in the 80s. And now there is AI, right? And AI and humans. Um, they have identified several principles of human AI collaboration that will uh, bring us to a, a new industry where the processes are adaptable. I mean, that they are very sensitive and flexible uh, to factors that are external to uh, the operation itself. Uh, those factors can be changes in the market, uh, changes in the user needs, 
personalization of the product towards certain different cohorts of users. And all these kind of things in our societies are uh, happening much faster than they used to happen in the past. Having able to get adapted very quickly to those changes in needs is definitely a winning point. And just to get uh, to the, the five principles that uh, these authors have identified, um, they said that uh, we shouldn't be using AI for just efficiency gains, but we should think about AI in a holistic way, uh, how it can contribute holistically to the business uh, uh, goals. They recommended to go towards experimentation because there are no best practices about human-AI uh, collaboration. And here between what can to humans and what can be assigned to AI is very jacked. It's very hard to define. So there are, of course, criteria that can be understood, and I can tell you something more later. But there's a lot of experimentation that needs to happen there. Um, and then they uh, also recommended to have an AI strategy that is tangible and that is uh, not like focus on new business opportunities too. Um, if we look at the um, companies that are benefiting of AI are mostly tech company, uh, while all the others have yet succeed to actually find a business value in AI. Like in the industry, the percentage of uh, uh, failure in AI projects is about 85%. And so uh, this means a lot of money and a lot of resources that are getting wasted without actually creating any value. And finally, um, mm, this happens uh, for an, something that is related to the fourth principle. The fourth principle is to think about data. Uh, we need to think about AI in a data-centric way and not only in a model-centric way. Data constitutes six out of the 10 uh, main reasons for AI project failure. Maybe investing more in creating an ecosystem where data is uh, collected, stored, annotated in a safe way uh, is definitely crucial for the success of uh, this new uh, business 4.0. Finally, uh, cultivating the employee skills. So really caring about uh, how employees can perceive AI and how can contribute to AI uh, systems. This principle seems a bit abstract, but the authors of this book have done a, a survey uh, over 1,700 companies in different domains. Uh, I think they cover 12 domains. Uh, and they found out that the more principles were adopted by the companies, the better was the performance. And performance was calculated in many ways, including revenue, um, client retention, and you know, some other criteria. This uh, performance uh, improvement, if, if somebody adopted the, all the principles, was up to seven times. While with, in the traditional way, it was only twice as without AI. So we went from twice to seven times. That can be really significant indeed. I do have a question for you, uh, especially around adapting your processes. Right? You've been in business for a few decades. It gets pretty hard to, to change a process because there's so much legacy, systems, history, all, all the complexities that we in, in large enterprises and in their IT and data infrastructures. How, how do adaptable processes fit into that construct? Where do you start? Do you start with one business line or one line of business in that sense, finance or procurement, and you see what's one use case that we can go after. Is there a different approach knowing that enterprises are so complex and are not always the fastest when it comes to adapting and changing their processes? Yeah, that's a great question. And of course, I don't have the perfect recipe 
for answering this question. But I can tell you that one of the principles that indeed uh, these two authors mention is like thinking holistically. Don't try to dig into one single task in a complex operation because that means actually substituting, uh, automating basically something that you already know, right? And it's an efficiency gains. Efficiency gains are very short term and small gains. They are not uh, uh, something significant. So what they recommend is to step back, uh, look at your processes overall, uh, your operations, and think about how to re-plan uh, them uh, in a way that they are more uh, adaptive. Um, as if you think about the first powerful machines that were getting into the uh, revolution, I don't expect them to try to put a machine in a very small piece of their operation. It was like such a huge change. It took time, of course, but when it happened, it was like holistic, organic, and it changed the overall process and business. And the same was for Ford when I thought about the line and the personal computers in the offices in the 80s. That's an interesting point. I wonder if, if, say, in olden times, it was easier to introduce that change because there was probably more, more human in, involvement in the process and less dependence on, on, on systems and dependencies within them even. It, a problem of time, right? We are at the very beginning. So now we are scared. We are trying to understand, does it fit it? Let me try an experiment in a small part of my operations and so on. But at a certain point, I mean, there's no way back from AI. There's no way back. It will, it will get everywhere. So at a certain point, we will have to face it. And when we will have to face it, we better do it organically and holistically. I think that makes perfect sense. I wish more leaders adopted that same mindset. Um, now, we already talked about a few challenges in um, I think that's an important topic to talk about. In addition to uh, the way companies are set up and, and their operations work and um, their ability to change and willingness to change, what would you say are other key challenges when you're designing systems and processes with human AI collaboration in mind? As I was mentioning before, which task can be assigned and so on. There was a paper recently in the Harvard Business Review about whether preferring the center's approach where you actually split the task and say, okay, this task will go to AI, this task will go to human, or the cyborg approach. And the cyborg approach is more interactive. And when you do the cyborg approach, you may want to think about, uh, is it the human giving recommendation to the machine and then the machine to executing on those? Or it's the other way around. It's the machine that gives recommendation on humans and humans take the final decision. Um, so all these, all these things need to be assessed. And also you may want to assess the level of intervention of the human uh, the human can be a, a kind of observer, or it can be literally an operator, which is the opposite of the observer is really acting on it. Um, there are three uh, criteria that I think needs to be uh, kept in consideration when somehow working on AI and humans, which are complexity, ambiguity, and risk. So uh, we know that technology is advancing very quickly, and we know that it's gaining a lot of ground on complexity. It's getting some ground on ambiguity. Um, like language models are uh, much more capable to work in ambiguous scenarios than the old um, classifiers, let's say. So there is a gain from the technological perspective in these two. Uh, but there is a loss of ground, a huge loss of ground in the risk part. And that's the reason why whenever there is a risk involved, there you want much more uh, human engagement and involvement. 
And also another thing that you need to take in consideration is that humans are not machines. Humans are moody, they get tired and so on. And so when you design a process where humans are involved, you definitely need to design a process that is somehow um, stimulating. And you cannot ask humans to click a million times yes or no, yes or no, yes or no. It won't reach any actually good results or outcome. Um, and that's something that they discover uh, when they went from the crowdsourcing platform to the gamification. In 2005, they came out with uh, Amazon Turk and uh, all these other crowd flowers and other platforms to collect data to scale their projects. And it worked relatively well, but then they look at the accuracy, the quality of the data, and it was like horrible. And, and the reason is that humans can, are not good at repetitive tasks, right? They get tired. And it's only in 2010 that some kind of psychological um, tricks have been used to uh, somehow stimulate humans to perform better. And that's the, that's the time of the CAPTCHA, by the way. Um, what do you think, where's the role of trust in this, especially in this human AI-driven collaboration and design? If I have been running a process as a subject matter expert for the last five years, 10 years, 15 years, I know how this works. And I know how this works maybe not only at our company, but maybe in previous companies that I've been in. Now, all of a sudden, this AI thing gives me a recommendation or um, I'm asked to use this to create a draft or summary, and then I need to go back and edit it again because I didn't do it quite perfectly or as well as I thought it would. So maybe my, my love of trust in this system, in this capability, the next time I use it, diminishes over time or maybe gets eroded directly if it is something that's completely against my expectations or even my values. Where do you see trust fit in, in that design process? People are skeptical about AI, but they are also very excited about it. So what I have noticed, uh, I ran a, an experiment ago to see whether AI could help uh, the annotation process. Um, you know, it's one of the most important parts in an AI project. Most of the AI systems are supervised, so they need the annotations in order to perform. Um, and um, during our evaluation, what we did was like to run a large language model over data, uh, make the large language model pre-annotate, so create a silver data set, and then we ask humans to evaluate it. And what we noticed, we didn't give any uh, specific instructions to humans. We said, just look, this was generated by a language model. Can you check whether you need to fix it or not? So what we noticed without any suggestion is that people were different because people are different. And there was one annotator that was over-trusting the model. So the, it was like clicking, yes, okay, okay, all the time. So the quality was exactly the one of the model, 70%, nothing exciting. Um, and But the speed was incredible. So mm -hmm. in, in that sense, like if you need speed over accuracy, that was a perfect uh, scenario. The other annotator instead was uh, mistrusting the model so much that it was correcting every small thing. The, this annotator achieved like a 90 and over percent uh, accuracy but of course, the timing was much uh, larger. The timing that he invested or she invested into it uh, was much larger. And because of that, uh, we, we, what we saw is that also the annotators need to be somehow instructed on the level of confidence that the model has and the level of trust that, that they have to, uh, to give to the model, right? So it's very variable. It depends very much on the tasks and it depends very much on uh, other uh, factors. The, the model that is being used. That's a great example. Thanks for sharing that. And I think that again speaks to 
on one hand, the speed and the level of quality that AI can provide out of the gate. But again, if we pair it up with humans, what else is possible, but also knowing that no two humans are alike, to your point, with different experiences, um, different states of mind, maybe we're moody, maybe we're tired, maybe we're a little suspicious. I believe uh, a way to think about all this process and so on is to actually look at the long-term uh, goal. So if humans know the long-term goal, they are much more motivated and much more flexible, actually, to fix these minor uh, methodological issues because they know the, the final goal. If you ask a human to, to work with AI, at the beginning, the human can be scared because you may think that AI will take their job. But if you ask a human to work with AI, telling that your goal is not to substitute them, but actually is to uh, expand the coverage of your product, uh, let's try to be more efficient here because we want to expand, then a human is much more willing to, to, to work uh, on the product. And I believe that's something that we all need to do, like work with a long-term vision rather than these efficiency gains. Uh, that's a great suggestion. I really like that. If others are in a data or AI leadership role or looking to move into one, and maybe they're not yet thinking so much about human AI collaboration and pairing the two up for the, their individual strengths together, what should those leaders looking to implement human AI-driven collaboration have on their radar? What should they know? Now, on top of what I have already said, is understanding the differences between humans and AI. There was a paper in HComp. HComp is one of the main conferences in human computation, and it found four major differences. One is in the task definition. It's like the fact that humans and AI have different objectives. AI has a very specific objective, for example, sentiment analysis, only sentiment analysis. Um, humans have very complex objectives, and they have work at the same time. So I go to work to execute my work well, but I'm going to work also to earn a salary, to go back home and be with my family and so on. So it's much more complex what humans want to achieve at the end of the day. And so this is a big difference that needs to be taken in consideration. Um, the other thing is that uh, the difference in um, the type of information that we acquire. Uh, AI only relies on uh, uh, the data it gets in input, generally linguistic data uh, or uh, maybe images or maybe other type of data, but only that type. It's not embedded in the word or embodied in the word. Uh, so we are embodied. We get information of every type, including touch, right? Uh, so for us, our representations of the word are much more complex, much more uh, rich. And the other one is uh, the internal processing. Uh, AI works in a statistical way and repetitive way, right? AI models work in a kind of correlation uh, way. Um, for humans, it's much more complex. We have very complex mental models of the world that also rely on the information that we got in input. And finally, uh, the output. And the output is uh, concerned with the amount of available actions and decisions that humans and AI can take. AI can take a, a limited amount of decisions. Um, let's think about a classifier. A classifier may have 1,000 classes, and it has to decide with these 1,000 classes. It can be also 100,000 classes, but it needs to decide within those 100,000. Humans have an infinite uh, potential of actions and decisions. So these are uh, the things that need to be uh, taken in consideration by leaders when they are planning the utilization of AI. Beautiful. Thank you. 
Look, we're coming up to the end of the show, and I was wondering if you can summarize the key three takeaways for our audience from our session today. Uh, first of all, human uh, computation is going to be crucial for actually the future deployment of AI. Um, that needs to be in a holistic way in order to actually get like long-term uh, outcomes. And in the criteria principles we have discussed in order to uh, actually uh, see the differences between humans and AI and see how they can match together. Thank you so much. Enrico, thank you so much for your time uh, with us today, for sharing your experience with us, and for those in the audience for learning with us. Thanks, Andreas. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for joining and learning with us. See you next time for another round of the Intelligence Briefing, What's the Buzz?